Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Here is where I want to begin my study tonight from the book of Proverbs, but I want you to particularly look at the classic Amplified Translation, A-M-P-C, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 27. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. So please, if you have an Amplified Classic, uh, this is the one that I favor the most because it emphasizes that which I want to share with you tonight. And this is how it begins. Proverbs 24, verse 27. Put first things first. Put first things first. Prepare your work outside and get it ready for yourself in the field and afterward, build your house and establish a home. Now, the Passion Translation says it this way. I also like this translation. It says, go ahead, build your career, give yourself to your work. But if you put me first, you will see your family built up. We can clearly see from the words of wisdom from the mouth of Solomon here, the principle of giving God the first place in our lives. These verses of scripture, I believe, communicate to us a, a, a very important message. And this is the message I believe God wants to communicate with us tonight, and it is this. If we desire to establish a life that is worth living, build a life and a home that honors God, we need to have our priorities in the right order or in the right place. We need to put first things first. Very important. I don't know about you, but when the Lord found me in a state of brokenness many years ago and was miraculously saved, he also taught me by the Spirit. No one taught me this principle. God himself, by the Spirit, taught me to establish the right priorities in my new life. And that is putting God and his will first above all. He is Lord. And over the, over the span of 46 years that I have walked with God, I see as I look back how well this principle has helped me and my family to establish the kind of foundation that attracts the favor and the blessing of the Lord. Practicing these four words, put first things first can solve, I believe, most of our problems or issues that we might be facing today. Giving the Lord his rightful place in our everyday life 
will build and establish, I believe, the work of our hands. It will secure our future in the Lord, as well as the future of our children and the generations that will come after, grandchildren and so forth. And as I sat in the presence of the Lord this week before we departed for Cyprus, silently endeavored to receive his wisdom concerning this matter, my soul began to experience sort of a pain, not a physical pain, but a spiritual one. I was saddened by the fact that how often we fail, all of us, to acknowledge appropriately and to recognize the value of God's presence in our lives. Fail to recognize the value of his precious word. I was experiencing pain in the fact that we are not able I believe, to see, spiritually speaking, as we ought to see, or hear with our spiritual ears the very things that God desires to communicate to us in this very day that we are currently living in, and also understand spiritual things as we ought to understand. I say that because our spiritual senses have been severely impaired. And I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm speaking about our primarily, our spiritual senses, the sense of hearing, the sense of seeing, the sense of discerning spiritual things and spiritual mysteries. And we see this, this problem throughout the ages within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the writer to the Hebrews experienced similar feelings. And we don't know whether uh, Paul the Apostle was the one who wrote the book of Hebrews. Theologians seem to disagree. But the one who wrote the book of Hebrews experienced similar feelings when he writes to them, telling them that they are dull of hearing. And I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 5 beginning with verse 11, 11 through to 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through to 14. And among other things, the writer says, we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The senses he's talking about here are not physical senses, but rather spiritual senses. He's writing, of course, to believers who have been born again on the, on the journey of faith for a long while, 
but they have not grown spiritually. Their spiritual senses, the writer says, have not been developed. That's why he says to them that they have become dull uh, of hearing. And as a result, the writer finds it difficult to explain to them some spiritual things, such as the high priestly ministry of Jesus, who is ordained after the order of Melchizedek. He wanted to say so much more about this high priestly ministry of the Lord, but he couldn't because uh, they were not able to receive it. Now, I looked up the word dull, D-U-L-L, and the dictionary says it means not sharp, or as another definition says, lacking keenness of perception in the senses or feelings. Another word is insensible or unfeeling. And in this case, of course, we are referring to spiritual insensitivity. Now, in Matthew's gospel, if you will turn there with me, please, chapter 13, Jesus is faced with a similar situation that the writer of the Hebrews. He speaks to unteachable, the insensitive, and those whose hearts have grown dull, reminding them of the prophetic utterance from the book of Isaiah, saying, Matthew 13, verse 14 and 15. Matthew chapter 13, verse 14 and 15. Jesus is quoting from the book of Isaiah, and he says, hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. There's that word again, D-U-L-L. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now, in my opinion and estimation, I believe this is the greatest danger of the church today. It is having a seared conscience and a heart that's grown dull and insensitive, insensitive towards God and towards others. In other words, we may look at the situation, but fail to recognize what truly goes on or fail to embrace or to feel or to sympathize or, or show some kind of, of emotion and action concerning the plight of others. And if the church remains in that state or condition, I believe that we are headed uh, for major, major problems. We could even come, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, under the judgment of the Lord. And in fact, Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, warns them of such judgment, speaking of receiving when they come to the table of the Lord to receive communion. And I know we've read these verses many times, but I want to read them again from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 29 through to 32, among other things, 
Paul writes, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Please notice the words that Paul writes here, not discerning the Lord's body. Here again, he's referring to a heart that's gone dull and unable to see through spiritual things or to discern, to accurately discern the Lord's body and to see uh, the spiritual significance of, of the reason why the Lord's body was broken. And remaining in that state of dullness, we become unreachable by man and even by God. God cannot reach us if we are that insensitive. No man can reach us because we are unable to. It's like the, uh, the blind man who can't see the person who has a problem in his ears and you can shout all you want, but he's unable to hear. The way out of this state, I believe, and the scripture gives us the way of escape, the way to come out of this state of dullness, I believe is, is true and genuine repentance. I want to say that again because it's very important. True and genuine repentance. True repentance revives our spirit man. And of course, our spiritual senses become alive. The truly blessed people. That's why Jesus said, blessed are your eyes, for they see. And blessed are your ears, for they are able to hear. He wasn't speaking about physical sight or physical uh, hearing. He was speaking about spiritual hearing and spiritual vision. The word of God says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. But what repentance does, it awakens our spirit man on the inside and our spiritual senses come alive and we are able to hear, we are able to discern, and we are able to embrace and receive spiritual truths. And the truly blessed people, as Jesus said, are the ones who have ears that hear, eyes that see, and a heart that understands and discerns spiritual things. Now, having experienced such pain that morning, as I mentioned, I began to repent earnestly. I repented not only on my behalf and on the behalf of my family, but on the behalf of the entire church as well. Our inability to perceive spiritual things has been impaired due to the fact, and this is, I believe, the main reason, that we are far too attached to this natural realm and far too focused on the natural and the physical side of life. And um, because of it, as the Bible says, the natural man 
cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. Neither can he discern them. And Paul the Apostle says that spiritual truths can only be given and received by spiritual people. If we try to teach or communicate spiritual truths or the wisdom of God, the deeper truths of God, to carnal or natural people, it goes over the head. And let me say this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, communicate with us in the Spirit. They are spiritual beings. They're not natural beings. The way they communicate is by the Spirit. The Godhead will not change the way of communicating, of fellowshipping with us just because we are unable to hear and receive his ways. So there is only one thing to do. We need to adapt and to change to the way that God does things and to the way God communicates. And here is the question that I want to uh, ask ourselves tonight. How do we change? How do we adapt to God's ways? How do we truly uh, uh, repent? How do we adapt to God's way of communication? And the answer is very simple. By changing our priorities as well as our value system. This is very important. If we put God first in our lives, and many, if in, in other words, all other things will find the rightful place. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, all of us know that verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things. All means all, Jesus said, shall be added to you. God first, and then everything else will fall into its rightful place. So the way we repent is by changing our priorities. We put the right priorities in our life and we change our value system. We begin to value what God values and hate what God hates. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says it so beautifully. In fact, it says, if you have risen with Christ, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. So by setting our minds, our affection, our focus on those things which are above, in other words, spiritual things, not the things of the earth, then we put the right priority. The spirit first, then the natural. And I believe that no matter what we do, nothing will change in life unless our priorities change. And that is where we begin. That's the start. There has to be a turning towards God and towards spiritual things. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
Very important verse of scripture this. When we repent or when we turn to the Lord from wherever we have been or focused on, when we turn to the Lord, the veil from our eyes, our ears, our hearts is taken away. It's removed and we can clearly see. What this means is that when a soul turns to God, gazes upon his glory, his majesty, his splendor, the dullness of heart melts away and their spiritual senses come alive in the spirit. Uh, I, I recall that uh, when, I, when I first turned to God and I was born again, it was like a veil was taken. But just because we turn to the Lord once initially, that doesn't mean we stop turning towards the Lord. The journey, this is a journey. Repentance is an ongoing thing. We continue. Repent come from the Greek word, uh, uh, change your mind. And so we must allow our God continually, the word of God, to change the way we think. And, and to put the right priorities in place. Matthew 13 and verse 15 says that healing and restoration can only come as we turn back to God. As we continue to focus on God and his word, giving him the first place by pursuing the things of the spirit, will literally be transformed by the power of God. And I'm reminded of a verse of scripture in the book of Galatians that says, he who sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life. So turning towards God and keep turning is sowing to the spirit, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, there's a beautiful song that says, turn your eyes. We used to sing that many years ago. A very spirit-filled hymn or song, call it whatever you will. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light and glory of his face. As we behold and gaze the glory of the Lord, there is a turning that takes place and an inward transformation. So we must come to that place where we reverse the order of priorities we have established in our lives by putting other things first instead of God. It's not family first. It's not children first. It's not career first. It's not business first. It's not money first. It's God first. It is the will of God, and we must allow the will of God to take hold and possession of us in every sphere of life. We continually look to the Lord for decisions. We continually look to the Lord for wisdom. We look to the Lord in the little things and in the great things. And so as we continue to look, there is a change that comes uh, from within, and of course, manifests on the outside. 
The Bible begins with these words in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And all of us know that verse. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. We must begin with God so that we can end up with him. Amen? What's important to you right now might not be important to God. What's valuable to you might not be valuable to God. So it, it, is, it is to our benefit that we discover or we seek the face of God to find out what God values most and value the same. And I have received this revelation, though it's, it's not a new revelation, but it had become a newer to me. You know what God values most? His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. He is exalted above all. In fact, the Bible says that God exalted the name of Jesus far above all. And I like because I was not able to attend the Bible study on Thursday, so I listened to the recording. And, and, and Stephen chose Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, as he, as he began to paint a picture of Christ, the Bandograto, the one who holds everything, who gives life to everything and everyone. And Paul here paints the picture of, of this of the splendor, the majesty, the glory of the Lord Jesus. And, and I've written it down, and I want us to read that uh, together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. Paul here is painting an image or a picture, and he says, speaking of Christ, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And Philippians says that every knee shall bow before him, before the name of Jesus. And that includes the beings in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. It's all about him, folks. And if we constantly keep our eyes and our focus on Jesus, 
and in the splendor of his majesty, I believe, according to the scriptures, there will come an inward transformation which will certainly manifest in our behavior and attitude in life. Transformation does not come by trying in the flesh or striving, but by looking at the glory and splendor of the Lord. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, confirms that. Look at that verse of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful verse of Scripture? It says it all. We all, he says, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we do, we are being transformed or changed into the same image from one level of glory to another level of glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Not by might, not by power, not by effort, but by the Spirit of the living God. You see, what this verse of Scripture says is, the more we look at him, the more we become like him. Just let that sink deep into your spirit. Let the Lord give you a revelation of this beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, picture. The more we look at him, the more we become like him. You see, when I say look at him, I'm talking about the look of faith. It's the look of faith that brings an inward transformation, not our striving in the flesh, not by trying, but by gazing into the glory of the Lord. Psalms 34 verse 5 confirms this. Look at what it says. They looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. You see, transformation is very simple. When we begin to gaze by faith into the glory of the Lord, he brings an inward change. And he sets things in order within us. And of course, when transformation takes place, it manifests on the outside. And that's how God works. And that's what I wanted to share with you uh, this evening to emphasize the importance and the value of having the right priorities in life. Putting God first in everything in every decision, in every action, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we need to look, and as we look, he works. And that's how God wants to bring about a change. That's repentance. That's changing the way we think. 
as we look to him. So I'd like to conclude our, our lesson tonight with a very simple prayer. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and let this prayer become yours. I've prayed it a number of times as I prepared this lesson. And I want us to uh, make this your own prayer. So let's just pray. Bow our heads for a moment in silence and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. For we have allowed ourselves to be mesmerized by the attractions of this present world rather than by your glory and your splendor. And many times we have given love and loved and honored other things and have given priority to them rather than you, dear Lord. And so tonight we want to acknowledge our failures, our distractions and our shortcomings. And we ask that you please forgive us and grant us according to your mercies, true and genuine repentance. Empower us by your grace and enable us to reverse the order of priorities and give you the rightful place in our hearts and in our lives. Turn us back to you, Lord, and we shall be turned. And as the inspired song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light and glory of his wonderful face. We thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayer tonight. And we thank you for your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, and your patience toward us as we walk this journey of faith. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at Alpha Omega INT. .org.za